Hi there. Welcome again to Blue Skies and Green Pastures. Today we're going to do a book review on a book called The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes by Suzanne Collins, which not a lot of people have heard of, but it's actually related to the Hunger Games series. And uh, in my opinion, was one of the best books of all of those um, stories. So, spoiler alert, do not read further if you don't want to know how this book ends. Okay, you still here? All right, here we go. When I started reading this book, I knew nothing about it. I hadn't read any reviews. I hadn't even read the back of the book, or I barely even knew it existed. I just happened to see that it was in the library, and I downloaded it on my phone. I wasn't super excited to read it because it had been so long since I had read the other Hunger Games books that I thought I might have just forgotten too much about the story. And also, I know that sometimes uh, authors put out a lower quality sequel, but I was wrong. I really enjoyed this book. I got hooked on the story from the beginning, and the writing was excellent. One thing I don't like that much is the title, because it just seems uh, too hard to remember, and it's a little long. Okay. Where to start? The book jumps right in, so I will too. The story opens with a hungry and poor Coriolanus Snow cooking cabbage and wishing he never had to eat it again. Now here is where my memory failed to remind me who he was, and therefore I labored under the false idea that this story happened after the last book. In fact, this book is a prequel. The character is actually the teenage boy who will later become the president of Pan Am in the Hunger Games. Until the very end, I thought that he was the grandson of the president. Oh well, it made the ending that much more interesting. Um, I could have called this podcast The Making of a Sociopath, but I didn't want to give away the ending to everyone before they read it. I feel guilty even giving it away now. As the story begins, you're reading a third-person view of Coriolanus' thoughts. You quickly learn that he lives a life of pretense. He's just a kid, but he has been raised in his family's penthouse with his cousin Tigris by his patriotic grandmam after both of his parents died. She has made it clear to him that she expects him to follow in his rich and powerful father's footsteps. Today, his big dilemma is what to wear to the Hunger Games reaping, because they are so poor that they had to sell many of their belongings just to afford food and heat after the worldwide rebellion destroyed the capital city. As the story goes, you get to know him better and you will hear all his questions, fears, and thoughts as he is faced with a series of difficult situations that are like crossroads where he must choose which way to go, and he continuously chooses the wrong way. Almost all of the adults in his life give him bad advice, 
or are just unaware of what he is going through. His cousin Tigress is a good example. Uh, she is a good influence on him, but be, she is powerless to help him um, because she has no money. His grandmother consistently reinforces her beliefs that district residents are as low as animals, maybe worse than animals. And the other adults who have power over his future encourage him to put his future above all other considerations, such as moral or otherwise. And in this society, there seem to be no religious influences and no belief in God. So he does not have that. Coriolanus is chosen by the head game maker, Dr. Gall, and Dean Highbottom of the Academy, where he attends high school, to take part in a mentor program. They have devised for the Hunger Games. The goal of the program is to get more viewers in the Hunger Games, which has uh, fallen out of favor with the public. So the way they are going to do this is they're going to pair up a capital team with a district tribute. And as we see Coriolanus's interactions with other students and school officials, we learn that he is very manipulative and careful to keep up a certain image. He keeps his current poverty a secret as best as he can. He and his family suffered greatly during the rebellion and siege of the capital. Now things are getting back to normal for some, <clears throat> but his family is struggling. Performing well in school and society is essential to his future, and he is willing to do anything he has to do to get the scholarship he needs to get into the right school. Sejanus Plinth is a fellow student, the son of a district family that has amassed a fortune during the rebellion by selling arms and munitions uh, to the rebellion, I think it was, and because he has all this money, he was allowed to move into the capital. Now, Coriolanus sees Sejanus as a typical district scum. He thinks he's better than him, but he chooses not to bully him like the other kids. Instead, he ignores him. Throughout the story and until the very end, there is a very complicated relationship between these two boys, and it is used by Coriolanus to his advantage. I kept hoping that he would see that Sejanus was right about things as he keeps rebelling against the capital, but nope, he chooses the other path. He also uses and despises Sejanus's mother, who does everything she can to help Coriolanus. He sees her strength of character as a weakness. This was possibly the most sad and disturbing part of the story for me as being a mother myself. As the story progresses, Coriolanus has many opportunities to do the right thing. But every time, after arguing with his conscience, he chooses the option that he believes will benefit him, protect his reputation, and help him get the scholarship. I kept hoping that he would see the error of his ways, but at that time, I was also unaware that he was going to end up being the president of Pan Am. Even when one of his fellow mentors is seriously injured by snakes, 
that the game maker has genetically engineered, he blames her for her own victimhood and is more concerned about his own reputation and safety. In every situation where he sees an opportunity to gain an upper hand, he chooses to do so. The third main character is Lucy Gray. Lucy is a tribute from District 12. Coriolanus is mortified to be assigned to her because he sees District 12 as the weakest district. He and the other kids all see the districts as nothing more than slaves. Later, some of the mentors begin to change their opinions a little, but only Sejanus tries to do anything to help them. However, once he finds out that Lucy Gray is a favorite of the public due to her singing voice, he feels like he is the lucky one. He falls for her beautiful voice and becomes devoted to keeping her alive. At first, you believe that he really cares about her, but over time, you start to question if this is just a narcissistic type of love. Over and over, he battles with his competing goals of assuring his own future and his his love for her. But eventually, you see that this type of selfish love is easily discarded. The rest of the book is a beautifully designed psychological observation of the main characters wrestling with serious moral issues. If you are looking for an action book, this book may not satisfy you. Um, There is a lack of emotion as well due to the cold-heartedness of the capital and the hopelessness felt by the people of the districts. There is a few action scenes during the Hunger Games, but it's more slow-moving and deliberate than the other books. And just when you think that the action might get going, it stops again. The main action is inside Coriolanus's head, as conscience and selfishness wrestle, wrestle to the death. As a dystopian novel, there is not much hope for a happy ending. I'm glad I read this book because it gave me much food for thought about motives, justification, dilemmas, selfishness, and selflessness. In the world we are living in, these are very important issues. It was also interesting to see how the adults in Coriolanus's life influenced him to become worse, but that Sejanus did not give up his morals even though his father was not a good man. This story puts nature versus nurture on trial. I hope you'll give it a try, Uh, even though I told you a lot about it. Read it for yourself and send me a message and let me know what you thought of the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes by Suzanne Collins. Thanks again for listening. Bye now.